Hey, this is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Living Redefined Podcast. This is a place where we discuss modern day topics and attack them with biblical truths. The goal that we have is just to make daily decisions based on morality and integrity. I want to help you move forward in your faith, and I hope that today helps you do that. Enjoy the message. Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. Welcome back to, uh, man, A Better Way Forward. We are part... uh, five or seven, depending on when you joined us and and what part of the country you're watching from. And so today we're talking specifically about mending your mind. We're dealing with loss today. This is probably the most crucial message in this series thus far. And, uh, And it's important for you to know, especially as we journey towards 2023, trying to, hoping to, believing we're going to get to 2023 healthy so we can hit the ground running as opposed to being reaction mode. And so that's what this series, A Better Way Forward, is all about. A Better Way Forward, starting in 2023, the journey to getting completely healthy by the time we get there. The goal for you is to be refreshed and rooted so you can live next year on purpose, 2023. The foundation of this series is found in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, taking a break from the whiteboard this week. And um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul is encouraging us to be ready for the return of Jesus. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through and may your spirit and soul and body be kept complete be found blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ and and the whole basis of this series is rooted in this and today we're talking specifically about your soul so paul says may your spirit your soul and your body be kept completely blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ so then you are a spirit you have a soul and you live in a body your your spirit has been called your heart your soul has been called your mind your soul Today is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your intellect. It's really, your soul is what connects your body to your spirit. It's how we actually operate. It's what helps us operate in the world. And so, um, and then your uh, body has also been called your flesh, or that's where you find your due identity. And so, mending your mind is really about strengthening your soul, right? And so to do that, we need to care for our soul. And we also need to realize Um, that we can't just sweep everything under an imaginary rug or into the corner of our heart because over time that affects our heart, it affects our spirit, and then our body isn't motivated either because our soul's been saying, I don't know how to deal with this, so let's just put this over here. And so then we don't feel like doing anything. We fall into or can fall into a deep depression or just a dark place, right? And darkness is not where God is, and so I want to help you get out of that. Now, here's the deal. The Bible says there's a season for everything. This is Ecclesiastes Three verses one through eight, and this is the message. It says, there's a time for everything on the earth. A right time for birth and another for death. A right time to plant and another to reap. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to destroy and a time to build. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to lament, mourn, and a time to cheer. A time to make love and another to abstain. A time to embrace and another to part. A time to search and another to count your losses. A time to hold on and a time to let go a time to rip out and another to men to put back, a time to shut up and a time to speak up, a time to love and another to hate, a time to wage war and another to make peace. Like, man, we're starting off pretty heavy. Yeah, we are. The reality is this. In in Ecclesiastes, what you see is there's a time and there's a season for everything in life, and we do not control the seasons. They just simply happen. And so as these times come and, and hit us, whether we like it or not, we have no control. It's not ours to control. They're coming Regardless, you know, Heather uh, reminded me of a quote the other day. She said, outside right now, you can see how beautiful it is to let things go. And I'm like, that's like, we're just on a family walk here, girl. Can you keep like, let's, (laughs) you can see how beautiful it is to let things go. And she saw that from somebody else. And so it's nothing original. But 
when you look at fall, that's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of, of seeing how beautiful it can be to let things go. Fall's my favorite season. You know, growing up, I grew up in Oklahoma, so all it was was green and brown. So I love fall because of football. But I'm going to use the fall season to kind of jump into our message today because it's easy to get lost in the external beauty of what fall is. All the color is so beautiful from the reds and purples and oranges and yellows, right? But fall is also a season of decline. And I never, I never think about this, but the days are getting shorter. The days are dying. The days are getting shorter. The abundance of summer is dying. There is more darkness. The days are super short. You wake up dark. You, before you get off of work, it's dark. And all of the decline, we fail to realize that there are seeds being planted, that everything that is around us, all the beauty, they're dropping something, and we're eventually going to have to uh, unroot, pick, pull, pluck, cut the seeds that are being planted right now in our yards, right? And the reality of this is this, when, when something dies, everything is coming to an end right now as fall comes and, and winter, the dark, dreary, cloudy, chilly days of winter are coming. Fall is really life and death, right? We, we just saw how much beauty was in summer and flourishing, long days, life, energy. Everybody loves summer. Who doesn't love summer? And fall comes, and for me, it's, it's great because the weather changes. I'm not a big fan of the heat. And there's so much beauty around football season. Like, there's so much things to love about, about fall. Fall is really about life and death and seeding. And the seeding, we can't forget that. I forget that a lot. The seeding that will bring beauty in the spring. The seeding that brings beauty in the spring. And right now we prep in our yards. So in the springtime, when everything comes out, it's like, yeah, right? And if we look deeper than the surface and past the decline of the season, we can count the multitude of possibilities being planted that will bring life and bear fruit in the seasons to come in the spring. And so then speaking of decline, we went from Heather's quote to fall to us. As we age, we lose our youthfulness, right? I mean, it's, that's just how it tends to go. And the reality is no amount of plastic surgery or cosmetics or no, how, no matter how great your diet is or your exercise routine, you can't stop or slow down the aging process. You can spend all the money you want and, and do all the things you want and put the creams on your face. But the reality is, is you're getting older. We're getting older. And along the way of that decline, we lose dreams and we lose careers and we lose marriages and we lose families and we lose our kids and we lose routines and we lose stability and we change jobs and houses and cars and friends. And, and hopefully in all of that change, you don't change a spouse and you don't lose a spouse. But every change is a loss. There is death to what was. And we have a hard time dealing with that. And that's what today's message is, is all about. And in, in the reality of all that change, if you have kids, your kids grow up and they move on and, and our influence decreases. And at some point, at some point in life, we all experience a catastrophic loss, right? We lose a family member. We lose a friend. We lose a loved one. Something catastrophic happens to us and it leaves us feeling empty, and from those catastrophic losses are, are more losses that, that will never take the place of a human being. But we lose our house. We can lose a car. We can lose a job. And in the course of our lifetime, we're going to experience loss. Likely several times we'll experience loss in our lifetime. And obviously, 
Losing someone is way more, way more catastrophic than losing something, but both will scar you. Both will scar you. You'll remember the date, but when someone vanishes from your life, unlike losing a job or a house or a car, that moment can either transform you or destroy you because experiencing death doesn't ever leave you the same. It never leaves you the same. There's no going back to what was before that moment, before that phone call, before uh, that text, before that person came to your door, before that letter came from overseas. There's nothing. There's nothing that can take you back to that place. And all we're left with in that moment is memories and some social media accounts. You know, there are currently still three people that I follow on social media who are no longer living. And I don't follow a lot of people. I like to keep my my feed pretty clean. And I follow them still to honor them, but also because they're still my friends. I'm not going to unfollow my friends. And the truth is we don't become less through loss. I should, I should highlight this. We don't become less through loss unless we allow that loss to make us less. And in that, how that happens is that loss just grinds on our soul, on our soul, that, that middle part, our mind, our will, and our emotions and it grinds our soul down to nothing. And in reality, loss can make us more. There is life after loss. There is life after loss if you relate to the fall or anything else that we're going to jump into here in the Bible. And so I don't know that, that I or you will ever get over the loss of a loved one. I'm never going to forget. But we can absorb the loss and we can lament, mourn that loss until it becomes a part of who we are. Until it becomes a part of who we are. I still have one day a year where I take my family and we eat oatmeal cream pies to honor and celebrate one of my best friends who passed in 2018. And he loved oatmeal cream pies. And that's one thing we had in common. That's why I have this figure is oatmeal cream pies. And I use that day and I use that moment to smile and to remember. To smile and to remember. They were his, they were his absolute favorite. Andrew was one of my best friends. I'll never forget the day that he died because the day that he died was also the day that we found out that we were going to have another baby boy. We found out that we were pregnant with Axton that day. And it's so unique that the time that we found out about death was also the time that we found out about life. And so it made that a very, very bittersweet, emotional day to both be happy and sad to be um, glad and crushed, just like Ecclesiastes says. And what I want to say is remembering our loved ones, remembering the losses and those feelings, that's good for our soul. It's good for our soul. And in reality, it helps us to learn the pain of others because we've suffered in our own. That's what gets us stronger, right? And it's one of the ways that God allows us to help us reach each other, and walk with each other through hard times. I also believe it's one of the greatest reasons that God gave us a memory. Our memory has the potential to make all of us better, to heal all of our hearts. All of that said, in our moments of loss and sorrow, we often find ourselves at the place of feeling empty. And sorrow can reduce us to nothing, to nothing. And as believers in those moments, it's important to remember what God does, who God is, and how God creates everything out of nothing, everything on the face of the earth begins from nothing. 
And what's meant for bad, God will use for good. Just like the fall season, um, growth comes from loss. Life comes from death. And so God knows you and he sees you in those moments and he allows you to mourn. And you need to. Because there's a time and a season for everything under the sun. We need to realize that we're fragile in these moments, though. That's the one thing that we need to realize. Some, especially as men, we don't realize how fragile we are in those moments because we just try to buck up, you know. In those moments, we're fragile. God's with us. And in those moments, those are the moments that God's asking us to bring everything to him. He's saying, if you'll bring that to me and let me carry it, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. And when we trust him to carry, he will deliver us. And when we cry out to him, he saves us. And when we cast our cares upon him, he carries them. He carries them. And we lack understanding and we lack knowing when loss happens, right? We don't have all the answers and we never will this side of heaven. So we just choose to trust God and to go to him because he is where we find our comfort. And that's the truth. It's 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. It says, this, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts and encourages us in every trouble so that we will be able to comfort and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble with the comfort in which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as Christ's sufferings are ours in abundance as they overflow to his followers, to the people who call Jesus their Savior, so also our comfort, which is our reassurance, our encouragement, and our consolation is abundant through Christ. It is truly more than enough to endure what we must. Jesus is enough. And, and spoiler alert to the final, that's our final point, is our eyes, our focus, we have, to get, we have to get to Jesus because Jesus is enough. And so through belief, we're going to get to pre-practical stuff here in just a second. Through belief in the God of all comfort... We do this and we believe this because the God of all comfort, because the loss has become part of us. We get to a place of, it's okay. It's okay. Because of that scripture, right? Jesus is enough. So then through the belief in God and that God is the God of all comfort, and because the loss that we've experienced has become a part of us, we get to a place where we can breathe. And it's okay to a part where it is, it's well to, I can move forward. God is a God of life. Luke 20, 37 through 8 says, But as for the fact that the dead are raised from death, even Moses showed in the passage about the burning bush, when he calls to the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, all caps, which means you, now he is... Now he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. For all live in a definite relationship to him. God is a God of life. God is a God of life. The Bible tells us that in John 10, 10, I'm going to give you the first part. The Bible tells us that there's an enemy, that you have an enemy who is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. That's what this, this is. This is factual right here, right? Which means God doesn't take people. And God does not need another rose for his garden. If you lost somebody, if you've lost someone, God did not take that person. And he did not make a decision to take them. But he will keep them. He will keep them. 
John 10, 10 B says this, this, this tells you and confirms who God is and confirms that God is the God of life. It says, I came that you may have life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. That's the God that saved you. That's the God that loves you. That's the God that cares for you. That's the God that wakes you up and gives you breath every morning. So then when we look at a loss with the perspective of the seasons, we understand it's out of our control, that the things that happen to us and around us are out of our control. And the truth is, there's an enemy out there that doesn't like you, that only wants to see you fail, that wants you to experience death and loss and grief and, and all of those things. And the truth is, experiencing loss and grief and heartache and pain forces us to confront our own humanity, our personal limits, and it forces us to realize that we're not in control, that we are simply creatures walking the earth, not the Creator. And much like the fall season, when we can see as a whole from death to life, this gives us hope. This gives us hope, understanding that there is a glorious resurrection. There is beautiful life coming. We understand that. So we see now that we see now when we get the full perspective, we see now what we couldn't see then. And the memory of my friend or the memory of your friend or your family member, it now makes me smile and it gives me a reason. And it gives me something to celebrate. Man, it wasn't that moment. Easy to talk about what happened in 2018 and talk about that day. And, and easy for me now to go, that was, a, that, was, that was a beautiful day because I get to celebrate. I get to celebrate now. It's, it's, it's still not easy, but it's a belief that I carry in my heart because of who God is. And so... What you see when you see the full perspective and how God has called us to live, mourn, celebrate. You see the memory of my friend now makes me smile, gives me reason. The job that I lost helped me find the work that I needed, right? The detour that delayed me turned me in the direction I was supposed to go. And with full perspective, we see how losses that once felt insurmountable force us to learn things about ourselves and, and, and change and improve, which change and improve the trajectory of our future. And in the moment, it seems as life is lessening, but much like the fall, silently, the seeds of new life are being sown. In that season, seeds of new life are being sown, if we trust. Eugene Peterson once said, pain is not the worst thing. Being hated is not the worst thing. Being separated from the one you love is not the worst thing. Death, even death, is not the worst thing. He said, the worst thing is failing to deal with the reality and becoming disconnected from what is actual. That's the worst thing. Because in that, you lose yourself. And what we do with our grief, with how we handle pain, affects the way that we live our lives, and it affects the way that we interact with others. And the truth is, is we don't become mature in our mind. We don't have a stronger soul our mind does not get mended by avoidance and distraction and cleverly circumventing losses. We become more mature when we deal with the reality and we walk in it with God. And we walk in it with God, the one who created us. C.S. Lewis said, we should bring to God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Because the oughts will keep us from telling the truth. They will also keep us from feeling the truth especially the truth about our pain.
And so as we talk about loss today and mending our mind, I don't want this to shift to the focus and only solely be about the losing of a loved one or a life, but also everything, everything that's ever been a loss in your life is what we're talking about because that is where uh, what spurs your soul, creates emotion, um, anger, and all, of, all those things that, that lie inside of us. So the big question today is how do we get out of pain? How do we get out of pain? And the reality is in today's culture, we have almost lost the capacity to grieve because people use work and TV and telephones and media and drugs and pornography and alcohol and shopping and busyness and food binges and helping others, even helping others. Anything that will medicate the pain of life and loss, anything that will, that will numb me to that, I'll do, right? And in today's culture, the sad truth is addiction has become the most common way that we deal with pain. And if it's not addiction, it's busyness. It's busyness. And so then we regularly deny and delay dealing with the difficulties and the losses in our life and the rejection and the frustration that take us to a place emotionally that we were never really meant to go. And all of that forces us to be alone, to feel alone, to feel empty, and ugh, just ugh, U-G-H, ugh. And the response that we should have in dealing with grief, in dealing with loss and mourning, in dealing with pain and discomfort, is not to cover it up. Just like, oh, just put it over there for right now, and I'll deal with it later, maybe, right? The Bible teaches us to deal with our grief prayerfully and honestly. It teaches us this is the way we should deal with our losses, our disappointments, big and small, including everything that comes with that, confusion and emotion. Because if we're going to grow and mature into human beings, the human beings that God has called us to be, created us to be, we must learn, we must learn to grow through loss. If we're going to journey toward, this is probably the biggest, the biggest message in journeying towards 2023. I'm not going to overlook this. I'm not going to take it lightly. Matter of fact, this is the longest one I wrote, but we're making good time. We're making good time. I want to know you, I want you to know that I prepared my head off for this. And I hope you walk away today better, better with action steps. And so we don't deny the delay and, and delay in dealing with our difficulties, right? Because if we're going to grow and mature into the human beings God's called us to be, we must learn to grow through loss. And 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world, our continuing persistent faith in Jesus. And this is the victory, our continuing and persistent faith in Jesus. So when it comes down to it, feeling sad, depressed, anxious, exhausted, or fearful about your future, about the past, about uh, where somebody is, all has to do with your unbelief. That's not God. God does not give you any of those feelings. John 10, 10 says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Somebody else came to steal everything from you. So I know who, I know who makes you feel like that. You have to recognize that too. And if this sounds too harsh, please remember that Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus and for the people of Jerusalem. There was, there was emotion from Jesus too. So he wasn't just this hardcore man with no emotion. What he did is he turned toward his pain, which is very counterintuitive to us today. 
But it's the heart of Christianity. It's the heart of being a believer. It's the heart of following Jesus. And what, what I hope you get out of, and, and even Jesus' little bitty example there, is the quickest way out of darkness is not to chase the sun from the west, but instead to turn into the darkness, to turn east, and that's actually east, and head into the darkness until you meet the sun coming up. Chasing it is hard. Chasing it's hard. But if you'll turn into it, you'll find it. And it will find you, right? And that's easier said than done, especially in an online message. So let's talk reality. Let's, just, let's get down to brass tacks. How we tend to deal with our hurts. How do we tend to deal with our pain? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are eight ways, if you're taking notes, that we tend to deal with pain. These are real answers, by the way. So denial, probably one of the biggest ways we deal with pain. Denial, what am I meaning? We confuse to, or we refuse, we refuse, confusion is there somewhere. Denial, we refuse to acknowledge it. So what do we say? I'm fine. Well, I see on your face that you're not fine. Now I'm fine. I'm fine. Number two, distraction. When people ask, we change the subject. We make a joke. We do anything to avoid that. We, we will even joke around about the good things that come from this, right? Minimize it. Number three, we minimize it. We admit it, but in a way where it appears less serious than it actually is. We just minimize it. Just shove this over here and make what is really a 10, a 0.5. And, and now you believe because I've minimized it. Now you believe it's not that big a deal and that I'm okay. So you can go about your business. The fourth thing we do is we rationalize it. We make excuses and justifications and we create alibis. We just, well, that's why, that's why. And we just move on. The fifth thing we do is we intellectualize. It's a big word, but essentially we give theories and we give analysis all to avoid feeling, all to avoid feeling. Well, we want to do this, we should do this, we do this, this, this plus this plus this equals this. That's what we have here. That's what we have here. And we just over, over, over analyze in our minds. The last three are, the last three are pretty real. They're just as good as denial, just as big as denial. These are all very serious. I've done all these. We blame others. We blame others. We take no responsibility for our behavior. And so we project it onto people in, in loss, in grief, in heartache, in anything. Your fault. We fail and take no responsibility. We'll blame ourselves. This is really bad. This is, this is a super dark place. We blame ourselves. We inwardly take on the loss or the fault and we label ourselves. It's all my fault. I should have. I could have. Uh, I'm no good. It's not good enough in everything. And the last one is so we become hostile. We get angry and irritable when reference is made to it. Whatever it is, we become that. And the reality in operating solely in our soul, in our mind, we're talking about mending your mind today. The reality in operating solely in your soul is we do not include God or his word or the truth. We don't engage our spirit in these matters. When we don't process with him, within our spirit, the feelings that make us human, fear, grief, anger, sadness, etc., are who we are. So then we become self-reliant and we become weak because we're not engaging our spirit in the context. And then we use the one or the more defenses that we just listed, the eight defenses, just like we talked about. We use one of those to cope for the moment. 
those along with addiction or busyness rot our bones. Proverbs says they rot our bones and they keep us from experiencing God in our emptiness. In our emptiness. And what today is about is owning the actual. Uh, Jordan Peterson is great. Owning the actual. Facing reality is not about overcoming or letting go as much as it is growing through. Growing through. It's a painful process. It's one that you will never forget. I have several of these processes in my life. But when you go through with God, it makes you stronger and it allows you to be strong for those around you. If you remember that scripture I shared out of Corinthians, the God's the God of all comfort and all peace. And because he's comforted you, you can comfort others. So let's look at three points. Three points to connecting with God in your grief so that you can relieve your pain and your heartache. Psalms 42 is what I'm going to reference today. And as you read through the Psalms, i take a break here. As you read through the Psalms, David uh, has had some intense prayers, some intense discussions with God, some intense conversations with God. You see a lot of emotion in what David says. And in Psalms 42, this particular Psalm, David, Psalm 42 and 43, I, I feel they were written together. So I think they were one. And whoever split it, split them too. But Psalm 42 and 43 are the same and they're continuance. If you want to go deeper this week, you can go there. And so this Psalm in particular, David is running for his life. He's in fear of losing everything. And at this moment, he thinks he has. He's going to lose the throne. He's going to lose his family and he's going to lose his church. And even worse, it's his son who's attempting to dethrone him and, and throwing rocks at him. And so he flees. He flees. He's the king. And so he flees. In Psalm 42, um, I'm going to go, let's go through five. The, it opens up, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul, so my soul, my mind, my soul pants for you, my God, my soul thirsts for God, the living God. Verse four, these things I remember as I pour out my soul within me. I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Almighty, of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise. Verse 5, Why, my soul, are you downcast? This is David talking to his soul. Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise Him for the help of His countenance. And so we're talking about three points, three points with the background of Psalms 42, three points to connecting with God in your grief. Point number one, stop listening to yourself. Stop listening to yourself. Verse four, David says, I pour out my soul within me, right? Everything that's going on in his mind, he pours it out and then he starts, and then he starts actually doing it, right? And uh, it starts kind of moaning. And I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise. And now look at me, here I am out in the middle of nowhere, uh, dark, empty, confused, lost, hope, like, look at me, look at me. And he starts kind of playing this, the, this, you know, the poor me game, right? And what I want you to see is when you're mourning, when you're grieving, or when you're depressed, you can't cheer yourself up. A depressed, a depressed person can't cheer a depressed person up. The Bible does tell us, though, that we should gather and, and, and meet and be with people where they are. It says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So then to get better, you don't need yourself. You need somebody else because staying alone and talking alone isn't good for you. You need to get around people who can walk with you and lift you up. 
You need to get into the Word of God. You need, to, you need to get with God, right? You need to let the Word of God speak to you. You need to turn on some worship music. And you need to sing your heart out to God. Some of the greatest moments I've ever had in mourning happen when I can turn on some united pursuit and sing my heart out to God and just give all of it to God. That's what you need to do. You don't sit back and take it. I heard a pastor one time say, attack back. You attack back. You're not a, you're, it's not out of defense. It's not one of the coping mechanisms that we just talked about. It's not a defense mechanism. It's attacking this attack back because it's on your soul. It's okay. It's okay to have emotion. Emotion is, is an amazing, beautiful thing. But when you attack back, you get proactive in your battles. And you're not sweeping it under a rug to talk about later, right? You're going to attack back. You're going to stop listening to yourself. And you're going to listen to God. And you're going to listen to those who can help you. And you're going to talk about it. And you're going to process it. And you're going to pray about it. And you're going to talk to God about it. And you're going to sing about it. And you're going to shout about it. Women do this better than men, by the way. Heather's helped me so much in understanding the emotional side of people. I think that that's one of the gifts that God gives us when he gives us an amazing wife is somebody who can come alongside of us and help, help us grow in the three areas that we need to grow in. And so then stop listening to you. Stop listening to your soul. Stop listening to your mind and all of your self-talk. It's negative anyway. It's negative anyway. Stop listening to yourself. Point two. This is really good. Now I'm not trying to confuse you. Start talking to yourself. Start talking to yourself. These are positive affirmations. This is the word of God in your life. The word that's been planted, the foundation you've built your life on, the word that's in your heart. God says when you plant the word in the heart of a child, they will not depart from it. So then you start pulling those things out. Start talking to yourself. You say, well, they'll take me away. <laughs> you pick your moments, right? You pick your moments. Not like that. David said, I pour out my soul. I pour out my soul. Soul, as we've learned over the past several weeks, is another word for ourself. Self coming from the word psyche. Psyche is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so our thoughts, our emotions, and our feelings are what we battle, and they affect the way that we feel and every decision that we make. And so then when I stop listening to myself, I'm saying, stop listening to my soul. When I tell you stop listening to yourself, stop listening to your soul and start talking to your soul and start talking to your soul because, because you can, one, you have the authority and you have the spirit of God in you. And so then let's engage the spiritual side of our being and who we are and, and who God has called us to be, our who, it's, it's who we are, it's our spirit, it's our connection with God. Let's bring God into, into this battle, good or bad, good or bad. Stop listening to, so then that means we have to start listening to the soulish part of ourself and let our spirit talk to the soulish part of us. In verse 5, here's, here's where this is from. This is chapter 42, verse 5, Psalms 42, 5. David asks, my soul, why are you downcast within me? Why are you so disturbed within me? What? Why are you so downcast within me? And why are you so disturbed within me? Why are you so depressed? Is what he's saying. He's, he is talking to his soul. He's saying, you know what? This is a spiritual battle. Why are you so depressed? Why are you being so loud? Right? Then he tells his soul, put your hope in God because I'm going to praise him anyway. 
Put your hope in God because I'm going to praise him anyway. And what he is doing, he's taking authority over his soul. He isn't giving in. He's not sweeping something under the rug. He's not, you know, covering it up. He is redirecting his mind, his will, and his emotions to fix the focus of his being on the one who can set him free. Let's focus on God. I'm going to praise God here. Okay, Something just hit me. I need to stop. I need to stop. I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this. Right? And I need to get with God. And if you know anything about what the meaning of the word depressed means, it means to be pushed down. So when you are depressed, it would be good to identify what is pressing you down or what is pushing you down and to take authority over it and take spiritual authority because those are the battles that we face. And so David tells his soul, stop throwing a fit. Stop throwing a fit. And he starts speaking from his spirit, which is his heart. It's who God's called to be. And, and in that, when we start coming to this from our heart, our spirit, our being, there's a lot of truth. There's faith. There's the foundation that we've built our life on. And in reality, your spirit should rule over your soul. Your spirit, your being should rule over your soul. Here's what you know. Your soul, your mind, will, and emotion comes alive at conception. The moment that that seed is planted, you have a soul, you have a personality. And then when you get saved, your spirit, which the Bible says is dead in sin, that we are dead in sin at salvation. When you accept Jesus Christ, that soul, which has been running your life now has a number two. And your spirit comes alive when you find salvation. So then until you find salvation, your soul is in charge. Until you accept Jesus, your soul is in charge. So then, I accepted Jesus when I was 17. So for 17 years, I was a selfish, soulish person. Now, when you're led by your soul, you can only consume milk. Because you're not in the right frame of mind. But when you're led by your spirit, you can consume solid food. You start to grow. Now, when you're born again, your spirit says to your soul, hey, we ain't doing that anymore. We ain't doing it anymore. And guess what your soul says? Baloney. Yes, we are. Why? Process. 17 years for me. 42 years for some people. Met somebody the other day. 65 years. They've been a soulish person. So to let their spirit lead is, is difficult, right? To let our spirits lead because we are driven by our flesh. It's what, our, it's what we want. It's what our body wants, right? Your soul doesn't want to listen when your spirit comes along and goes, hey, we're not doing that anymore. And this is why it's so important when you're born again and your spirit is regenerated that you get in the word and you don't pretend to know it all. Because the reality is, is in your mind, you know a lot, but in your heart, you're unsure what you believe. And so to, to build that belief, we got to get in the word. There's a biblical principle that teaches us, by the way, that the older should serve the younger. The same is true for your spirit and your soul. The older shall always serve the younger, which means when you're under attack, when you're grieving, when you're mourning, you have to let your spirit lead the way. You have to let what came second be in first. So your soul serves your spirit. Your soul will obey your spirit. That's what David was doing. His soul was complaining and he recognized it. He put a stop to it and he allowed his spirit to lead through the circumstance. Here's the third point. Get to God. Get to God. God's face is always shining on you. God's face is always shining on you. 
want to show you two scriptures in chapter 42. 42 verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you dis disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. For the help of his countenance. I left it off earlier. Here's verse 42, 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And you would say, well, that's the same scripture, Dusty. No, it's not. There's something very, very different. It actually says it again in chapter 43. There's something very different. When you look at 42 verse 5, what you see is it says, for the help of his countenance. And when you see in verse 11, it says, for the help of my countenance and my God. And what he's saying is, when I look at his face, it changes my face. His countenance changes my countenance. And what David is realizing in that moment is, I have to get my eyes on Jesus. I have to get my eyes on Jesus. This is tearing me apart. I've got to get my eyes on Jesus, right? And when it comes to past pains and hurts and regrets and sin and loss, I'm not minimizing any of that. I've experienced it. And I've not experienced it like you, so I can't pretend to sit in your shoes. But in these moments in your life, when you're hurt, when you're grieving, mourning, you're angry, you're sad, you're depressed, you're confused, you can do your best to hide it. You can do your best to hide it, but people are going to see it regardless. Heather knows, 100% of the time, Heather knows when something is up with me. 100%. And I can play it off, and she's no dummy. She'll say, no, and she just calls me because that's how she is. You're lying. Something's up. Something's up. Where does she see it at? She sees it on my face. Other people can say that, see the same thing. Man, what's up with you? Okay? Ah, just tired. Okay. Okay. That's, that's those mechanisms that we use, right? And what I want you to know is, is it's late October, we're approaching Halloween, probably going to have the family members over for that, right? But we're approaching Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it might be that coming for you. It could be a birthday, could be an anniversary, could be a memorial, could be a lot of things. But at some point in the next few months, you're going to have everybody over to your house. You're going to be at somebody's house, and you could be driving in the car by yourself or in the back of the house or in the bathroom all alone, and you know that everybody's here, and so you feel like you've composed yourself and you're ready to go out and the first thing that your family or your friends or whoever you're with is going to ask as soon as they see your face is what? Are you okay? What's wrong? How can I help? Are you okay? Right? And you can't hide it. You can't hide it anymore. And the truth of that is this. There's nothing wrong with that. That's 100% normal and okay and healthy. It's great. You can show emotion whenever you please. That's, that's you. You can do that. But in that, you have to be willing to stop listening to yourself, right? Start talking to yourself and find God. Go in that moment with God. The second thing in that is, one, there's nothing wrong with it, but two, don't let the enemy steal or attack you in that moment without you attacking back. You take these three points and you use them. It's scriptural. It's how God's called us to deal with our grief with Him, right? One of the things David's mourning about in the Psalms is the loss of his church. He says, I used to go to the house of God and sing with joy and with praise. And what's amazing in that moment, in the moment that you're preparing to meet with people, it's the same as the moment that David had all alone. He realized 
as he's getting himself together, I can worship God right here. Hey, I can worship God right here. Hey, we're going to worship God right here. Right? I can attack back right here. Right here. I can get in the presence of God no matter where I am. And so can you. And so I'm going to close with this. The central message of Jesus is that suffering and death bring resurrection. They bring new life. They bring transformation. And a biblical promise that you have is everything that dies has a glorious resurrection. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This is John 12, 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains only ever a single kernel of wheat. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It brings much life. Resurrection only ever, always comes after death. Our losses are real. Not downplay them, but so is God. So is God. And the good news is everything that dies has a glorious resurrection. Genesis 5.20, let me leave you with this. Genesis 5.20 says, Evil's meant against me, but God means everything for good. And the reality is this. Sometimes things happen in our lives that break our hearts, that steal our joy. And in those moments, it's easy for us to forget that God has a hand and wants a hand in every area and every part of our life. And He knows what we're going through, and He knows every beat of our heart, the faint ones and the strong ones. And God can work in everything and in every moment of our life, even those that take our breath and break our heart. And He doesn't want any of that stuff to happen to you, but He does want to help you in it. And we have to remember in the morning when we wake up, who opens our eyes? Who gives us oxygen? Who fills our lungs? Our God is big. God is so very big, and He wants to be big for you on your behalf. So then we have faith in Him, and we seek Him, and we find comfort knowing that God's going to come through for me and God's going to help me through this. And God help me to find the people who have walked this path before so they can hold my arms up as we go. And Lord, thank you for strength. Thank you for energy. Thank you for courage. Thank you for your will to be done in my life. Thank you, Lord, for bringing good from this. But I don't know what it is, but I trust you and I love you. Why? Romans 8, 28. And we know and we believe with great confidence, with great confidence, that God who is deeply concerned about us causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love him and those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. God has your back. God has your back. And so here's your action step this week. It's pretty simple. Bring to God through prayer what is actually in you and not what you think ought to be in you. Be real with God so you can become more. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, to share today on how to mend our mind, Lord, to strengthen our soul. Thank you for the example that David gave us. Lord, thank you for being present in everybody's life. Lord, I do not understand, know, comprehend, or I can't even imagine the hurts that are represented as I share this. And so, Lord, I ask you to meet people where they are. Lord, I thank you for being the God of all comfort, for being the God of all peace. Lord, for, for providing your mercies, Lord, in your strength. I thank you for helping people walk through the next few weeks and months as they attempt to walk through life, Lord, with you. Help them to go with you. Help them to go all in with you. Lord, I just pray that your presence will hit them now and walk with them, go with them as they go with people. I love you. 
Thank you for the moment that we've had, Lord, to mend our minds, to get this adjusted, to learn so that we can be better. I love you. I thank you for an awesome day. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be with me. It means a lot to me. If you support our ministry, if you support what I'm doing, what we're doing as a family, what we're doing in Fort Collins, Colorado, thank you so much. We cannot, we cannot do it without you. I want to let you know that life change happens every week. We've seen over 70 salvations since Easter, since Easter. We've given out 126 Bibles. We're helping people take steps towards Jesus. And I'm grateful that you're a part. I'm grateful that you're here. And so next week, we're going to talk about finding your flow, a little bit uptick as we continue to journey towards 2023. Now, I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray the perception of your mind would be enlightened so that you would know what His hope, His calling, and His purpose are for you and the great things that God has in store for you. I love you guys. I appreciate you. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me today. A huge thanks to those of you who support our ministry. You make what we get to do in Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Colorado possible with those weekly outreaches to our hospital heroes and public service men and women. It's a big deal to get to do that and to support the people who are caring for our communities. And so go ahead and click the link in the description to become a partner, or you can visit livefreedefined.com and click the giving link. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.